Amen. Well, I get the privilege of coming up after a powerful worship set, getting it together emotionally, and celebrating. That's what we're doing today. That's why the balloons, some of you may have counted them. There's 90 of them. So just in case, we're going to give it away early. It's a 90-day celebration, and today is a day we just want to celebrate God, and celebration is a good thing. Matter of fact, um, in Israel, they would celebrate all of the time. Sometimes I look at Israel or I look at other countries and I hear about all their vacation they get and the holidays, and I'm like, what's wrong with us Americans? We need to get on the program, you know, get more holidays going here. But uh, the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes that to everything there's a season, a time, and a purpose for everything under heaven, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And uh, today... I get to weep and probably also celebrate, and, and, and I don't know, maybe I'll dance, we'll see. Celebration, though, it's a good thing, it's a great thing. God is a God of celebration. We looked at that last week at Easter, and just how he celebrated when that which was lost was found, and I love the fact that uh, God just blew us away at Easter, and so many people came through these doors and heard the good news of Jesus, and many responded to Christ. And uh, what a celebration that is. There were seven major festivals, major feasts in Israel that God uh, commanded that the Israelites would celebrate. First fruits feast of Passover, unleavened bread, Pentecost tabernacles, trumpets, atonement. I mean, all of these major feasts, and, and we don't have time to get into what each one meant, but God was so serious about this thing of celebration that he said, you've got to do it. I mean, it was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. It was like, you, you will do this. You must do this. Reminds me of the time Tisa was out of town, and we were gonna, I was in charge, and we were going to have dinner, and I just said, let's have banana splits for dinner. That's what we're doing. And the kids are like looking at me like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why, where's, where's the good stuff? And I'm like, no, banana. So we, we got ice cream, and we got bananas, and we got the chocolate, and we had the whipped cream, and the cherries on top, and everything. And we just made like two or three of those and made that our dinner. We just celebrated. You don't have to tell people when it's time for a celebration if it's a kid, right? They're like, whoa, this is cool. God said, celebrate. Don't forget to do it. It's important. I'm making you do it. Celebration reminds us of God's faithfulness. It also reminds us of his presence. He's with us, that he loves us that he's the reason that we can celebrate. He's the reason that we're able to do anything good in this life is because of him. And uh, I love what the celebration that the jailer had. You remember in the book of Acts when Paul and uh, Silas were there in the, the book of Acts and there's this, this shaking of the jail cell and the jailer comes to faith and it says there in his home he had food set out for a festive meal. It was a Night to remember, he and his entire family had put their trust in God, and everyone in the house was celebrating. Don't you love that? When everybody in the house celebrates, so we're going to celebrate some today. We're, we, we started the new year making some commitments. We had a 90-day challenge, and several of us, hundreds of us, said yes to one or all three of those challenges. And uh, we want to celebrate that because this is the actual 90-day completion. It was probably a few days before Easter, but, you know, Easter is a little more important. So we need to celebrate that first and foremost. But, but we wanted to make sure and not 
just blow past that 90-day period, but say, hey, let's pause for a moment. Celebration's a good thing. It's something that, that we can celebrate what God has done and who God is. So you'll remember the first challenge of the new year was one of a Bible reading challenge. And it wasn't just to read the Bible. It was to meet with God. It was to spend time with Jesus. It was to sit at his feet and learn from him. It was to slow our lives down a little bit. Create a little margin. Create a sacred space in our schedule where God would meet with us and we would meet with him and we would learn and we would grow. We would change because of that. And so that's what we did. John chapter 15, verse 4. You'll remember Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. In modern day terms, we'd say, hang out with me and I'll hang out with you. Stay connected to me, and I'll be connected with you. And Jesus calls us to that. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants us to be fruitful in our lives. He wants us to be successful and fruitful in our lives. In, in our families, in our marriages, in our places where we're working. And yet he's saying the key is don't just try and go out and do it alone and achieve your own fruitfulness, your own success, but rely on me, trust in me. God says stay connected to me. And one of the best ways to do that is to move our relationship from a seven-day relationship with God where we meet with him on Sunday to an everyday relationship with God, where we're meeting with Him, we're talking with Him throughout our day, but we also create this sacred space within our day where we just spend some time with God. That five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever it might be for different ones, but where we've dedicated some amount of time to say, God, I want to I wanna spend time with you because I realize I cannot accomplish anything that will really be lasting I'll, I'll not be able to bring real success or real fruitfulness into my life without that relationship with you. So I need to build that into the rhythms of my life. It means, tr trying to, it means quitting that act of trying so hard to make everything happen, accomplish everything, keep everybody happy, and just to pull away like Jesus did and spend time with the Father. The Apostle Paul, a man with this incredible kind of will, but he surrendered his will to God. And I love what he said in Galatians, I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what that time in the word is all about. That time in the scripture and that time in, the, in, in praying in the Holy Spirit is about Christ in you. And that we, we learn to kind of grow in that, walk in that, and stay connected to that. So we... Uh, committed to read the Bible and pray for 90 days to develop that habit of regular time with God. This is, this is what the challenge was. And there were quite a few people who took that challenge. One of those was Leslie Maxfield, uh, and uh, she wasn't able to make it today, so she gave me this story to share with you about her journey in that Bible reading challenge. She said, I was inspired to take part in Life Center North's 90-day Bible reading challenge because I like to keep learning fresh. I know that I need to renew my mind in Christ, and reading God's Word does that. 
And I get connected to the characters I read about. I see myself in Rahab's daring as she hides Joshua's spies. And I admire Ruth when she decided to follow her mother-in-law's God instead of her family's. 90 days seemed doable, uh, and I liked the way the readings focused on key teachings and promises. And I love studying. Through the 90-day challenge, I deepened my relationship with God and those I shared my insights with as well. When the coffee pot finished its work at 5.30 a.m., I opened up my iPad, excited to see where God would lead me for that day. God always had this fresh word for me, and he convinced me that he would never leave me, that I was his masterpiece, and that he had a plan for my life. He also taught me what I needed to do to be obedient, to fully surrender my will to him. I read one day about the strife between Jacob and Esau, and was compelled to pray for the gift of reconciliation for my own sons. I've experienced plenty of pain and heartache and doubt and loss, but in my reading I discovered that there were others like King David and Moses and Jesus who also went through things. I've learned that. Just like them, I can be myself, I can cry, I can scream, I can question, I can celebrate. God's love no matter what. What's next? Day 91 and beyond. I use the U version of the Bible, which offers lots of reading plans. You can search for plans. I'm, I'm now doing one called A Passion to Serve. I'm already being challenged and growing in the area of serving others. As far as I'm concerned, the 90-day challenge was just the start, and I intend to keep making God's Word a foundation in my life. And uh, I love that. I love that testimony from someone who took that challenge and went for it, and to keep going for it. And not to, not to kind of say, okay, it's done, I'm good. So can we do this? Can we just celebrate for a moment with the 236 people who took that 90-day reading challenge and deepened their desire to spend time with God? Let's just, let's just celebrate with them, celebrate with God. Thank you, God. You see, the key isn't necessarily that every single person met that goal. I mean, that was, the goal was the goal. The key was that we grew in a deepening relationship with God, and we met with Him and experienced Him in ways that we wanted to. And so if you took any steps forward in your faith, any steps forward in spending time with God in the past 90 days, you should celebrate. We're so quick, aren't we, to kind of go, oh, this is where I fell short. This is where I fell short. Rather than to just thank God for the good things that He's done and, uh, and the steps that have been made. Well, the next challenge that was offered was a 90-day tithe challenge. In Psalm 24, verse 1, the psalmist said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So who owns everything? God. God does. We get that confused, though, don't we? We think we have whatever we have, and we own it. It's my assets. It's my stocks. It's my house. It's my car. It's my... It's my stuff. I worked hard for it. I exercised discipline. I got it. It's mine. And yet God cares about our lives, and he wants our lives to reflect something more than just he whoever, you know, who, who gathers the most wins. One of those big changes is that change inside our heart and life and our soul where we begin to think about God owning everything, that I'm just a steward. That, that I'm entrusted with a certain amount of resource that God's put in my hands to be diligent and faithful with that, and that he owns everything. I believe as a Christian, we should become the most generous people on the planet through our outrageous, extravagant, hilarious giving. 
not because of some religious organization is demanding it, not because of guilt and pressure, no, but because something's happened on the inside of our life where we're able to begin to trust God with areas that we've always been afraid to trust Him in. One of those big areas is in the area of our finances. People are afraid in this world. The economy and money, that's one of the biggest fears of people's lives. And when we begin to trust God in the area of our financial lives, it's one of the best ways to grow spiritually. The Hebrew word uh, for tithe is maser. And this word literally means a tenth. And the scripture tells us about the tithe. Uh, It's not a law as New Testament people. It's a principle that we walk in. The tithe means 10%. The New Testament calls this proportional giving. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 says, The purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. And I would argue, in fact, that there are few ways that we can have a clear way, a tangible way to put God first in our life than in the area of our money. Randy Alcorn in his book called The Treasure Principle, many of you read that, describes tithing as training wills. It's not the end game. It's the beginning point. It's a starting place. As we surrender our lives to God and surrender whatever it is we think we own and say, God, I'm not the owner, you are, we begin to walk in that surrender. Tithing is a starting point as a Christian who wants to surrender all. In Malachi 3.10, God said this about tithing. Bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. Test me in this. Try me. I dare you, he says. Give it a shot. God said, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. He says, if you don't believe me, try it. Do it. Go for it. And so we gave that challenge. And 90 people took that challenge. Isn't that cool? I mean, it just worked out that way. 90 people uh, for the 90-day challenge. Julie Simpson is one of those who stepped out in faith, and she was wanting to share her story with us today. Julie, come on up. Let's give her a warm welcome up here. Okay. Well, hello, my name is Julie Simpson, and I did the 90-day tithing challenge. And I'm not going to lie, especially here in church, but um, it was difficult for me. Um, I did the Bible reading challenge as well, but this one really stretched me to um, trust in God a lot. And I did this challenge because I flat out needed to trust God a lot more because I've been going through a difficult time in my life and I needed to believe God's promise that if I brought the whole tithe to the storehouse, he would pour out so many blessings that there would not be room enough to store them. So I decided to put the Lord to the test as he said to do. And um, I've always been a giver but never a full complete 10% tithe. Um, I would always give what I thought I could afford. Um, So for me, this particular challenge was about bringing the whole amount. Um, A big part of this challenge was identifying the blessings that God was giving to me each day. So to help me with that, I kept a journal of blessings given to me. And as much as I was looking forward to seeing how God would provide enough to keep paying my bills... I was equally looking forward to how um, he would pour out spiritual blessings to help me get through this time in my life. 
So, okay, guess what, everybody? The Lord did not uh, fall short on his blessings. And um, he provided uh, blessings from my workplace that I had uh, no idea was coming, like a huge grant that was added to my paycheck, um, a large bonus and a raise. And, um, yeah, I know. And then also a nice income tax return. So... Um, as another huge blessing with this was that all the bills that came that I got were far less than I thought they should be or would be. So I was actually able to um, contribute to some organizations in Spokane that meant a great deal to me. And um, those are just the financial blessings. The Lord did not fall short on the spiritual blessings either. Because as the 90 days came to an end, I went back and read all the uh, blessings I had put in my journal and um, the blessings that he poured out to me and my family went far above uh, my expectations. Um, I, I don't have time to share them all, but I will say that the blessings that he gave to me and my family, my friends, my friends' friends, my neighbors, um, are far more valuable to me than the financial ones. So, of course, I'm continuing to bring the whole tithe to the storehouse because I don't know about you guys, but I need all the blessings I can get. <laughs> and um, I just can't wait to see how God uses his money to bless his children. Thanks, Julie. I love that, but I, what I loved especially is that she kept this journal, that is so cool to be looking for something far bigger than just financial return, you know, that it's so easy to just get stuck on that. But to look at the big picture of God said he would bless my life, well, obviously that means more than just finances and uh, that, that you were looking for that and saw that. Wouldn't that be a great habit that all of us got into is just be looking for the blessings of God in our life every single day? I love that. Well, uh, let's see. Where am I? Here I am. Let's, let's, let's let God keep challenging all of us, no matter how, what, what step of faith you took in that particular financial challenge. If you took any forward movement, you should be thanking God, just saying, God, thank you. It's by your grace that I can trust you in that area of my life. And so let's just celebrate with all 90 of those people, along with anybody who took a step of faith in that area, can we? Way to go, everybody. Yes. Hey, we're getting good at the celebration thing. And by the way, by the way, during that 90-day period, there was a Financial Peace University class that finished. Uh, they went through their nine-week group time. 31 people uh, finished the class out of 35. That's an 88% retention. So 31 people finished. And they paid off $45,000 in debt over that nine weeks. They saved $26,700, and they cut up 28 credit cards. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yes. See, all of those things represent surrender to Christ. All of those, it's not, we're not celebrating us per se. We're celebrating what God has done in helping us take forward movement in our surrender to him that we're trying to live counterculturally. We're trying to say, God, we don't want you to just be this religion that we hang out and go to. We want you to 
change us from the inside out. We want our lives to reflect something completely different than the world we see around us. Well, the third 90-day challenge was a health challenge. 3 John 2 says this, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is doing well. So in other words, the, the spiritual life is very important. The most important thing is that we're growing spiritually. But God cares for the whole person. He cares about your whole self, not just your spiritual life. He cares about our money and how we interact with him in this world with, with that. But he also cares about how you treat yourself, how you treat your body, how you live your life. Because he's a God that cares about the whole person. God fashioned your body, and you are a masterpiece. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God chose a human body to indwell when Jesus Christ came to this earth. And the scripture teaches us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God cares about it, and that means I need to care too. I need to care too. Some people get carried away with their bodies, right? And they worship them because they get so self-focused on, on their body as being the most important thing rather than their spirit. So we're not talking about that. That's called idolatry. But what we're talking about is stewardship, stewarding our health, stewarding the bodies that God has given us and uh, treating it uh, as something that God cares about and that he doesn't want me to just neglect. 1 Thessalonians 4.4 says, Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Susan Kokanine was one who did this health challenge, and she wanted to share her story with us. Would you come up and share your story? Let's give her a, a warm welcome. Hi, my name is Susan Kokanine, and um, I have not honored my temple. Um, I've struggled with my weight most of my adult life. I've tried so many diets, and sure, I'd lose some weight, but when I went off the diet, I'd gain it right back, and plus some. So sometime in the past couple of years, I just gave up on dieting. I got tired of that cycle of, of uh, trying and failing repeatedly. I had no intention of ever putting myself through the misery of failing again. So I think I surprised myself by showing up one Monday night at a faith-based weight loss program for women back in January. And on the very next Sunday, here at LCN, they announced the 90-day health challenge. I knew God was telling me it's time. And uh, I was listening at that point. I needed this because carrying around all that extra weight was causing, it was affecting my health in so many ways. Uh, I want you to understand that God didn't make this this weight loss journey easy for me. Um, in fact, at times it's really difficult. But what he did do and what he continues to do is make it possible. I've had weeks during this process where I've gained instead of lost, but I'm learning to trust him with this journey where I'm most broken. And through this process, God has also taught me never to give up on a prayer to him. I can't remember if it was our last women's retreat or one of the women's Bible studies that I've been in, but we were given these little index cards and asked to write a prayer that we had given up on. Mine was about my weight and my health. One night, about halfway through the 90-day health challenge, I was reading my Bible, and it, this little card fell out, and it blew me away. And I'd like to read that to you. It says, Dear God, 
I've given up on losing weight to get healthy. Lord, please help me. I can't do this myself. I need you to bring about this miracle for me and cause me to regain a healthy weight. I thank you, my Abba Daddy, for doing this for me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I read that, I realized that the 90-day health challenge was the answer to a prayer that I had given up on praying and had forgotten about. In the last 90 days, I've lost 28 pounds. I'm halfway to my goal weight. <laughs> Thank you. What I'm not doing is dieting, but I am making healthier food choices. I'm exercising often. Joined the North Park right across the way, took advantage of, of the, during the 90-day challenge. Um, I feel better. My doctor is thrilled. And I know never to give up on praying because God does answer prayer. God has used this 90-day challenge to help me trust him, putting my health, my weight, and my body entirely in his care. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And there, just met. For, for those of you who don't know, Susan is also our uh, food pantry director and leader, and she does a fabulous job out there. We serve food uh, every week now on Thursdays, as well as every other Saturday. And um, one of the things I was most impressed with, with the food pantry, is how uh, intentional th our, this ministry is in giving out healthy food. Yes. Not just, you know, here's the high-carb food and that's it. But, I mean, there's vegetables, there's fruits, there's meats, there's lean meats, there's all kinds of good food and, yes. and great breads going out the door and serving our communities. Thank you for that. Thank oh, you for thank caring you. about that. Thank Appreciate you. you. Thank you. Yeah. I love that, that it's not a diet. I'm not talking about it. We're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about living our lives to the glory of God and turning over our physical self as well. And it's tough. Let's be honest. I mean, it's really tough. We live in a very hyper, overconsumptive uh, life uh, or culture, and we're bombarded with ads, and it's just easy to, to, to go the path of least resistance, and it is tough. It is really, really hard. And so if you struggle in that area of your health, we just want you to know we understand it is not easy. It's not easy. But with God's power and with his grace, and as we surrender our lives to him, he can help us. And not just in the area of weight, because some people don't need that at all. So for some, it's just getting more sleep. For others, it's, it's picking up the level of activity and exercise in your life and having fun with that. Uh, we were made to move. And so for some, that's what it is. And for others, it may just have to be with good choices that you make as far as what, what you put into your body. But uh, I just want to uh, again, celebrate. 174 people took this health challenge as a church. And you remember that I said, let's make an all-church goal of losing 1,000 pounds. You remember that? Some of you do. And uh, I wanted to report back to you kind of where we landed in that. Ready? Drum, drum, can I get a drum roll, please? Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 975 pounds. Isn't that great? Wow. 975. We're only missing 25. Who didn't turn their card in? Come on. <laughs> Raise your hand right now. No, we'll let you off the hook. <laughs> that's, 
That's so awesome. That's nearly a thousand pounds. And I, I think that is so cool that as a church that we took this serious and we went for it. And uh, just want to celebrate with all, every single person over the past three months that, again, any forward progress. Doesn't matter if you met your full goal or not, because we still have time ahead, right? I love it. I lost my 10. And also, uh, one of the goals I had was to do a sprint triathlon and ended up doing that. And I'm here to report I didn't come in last. So, <laughs> woo! Yes, yes. So where do we go from here? Well, to know that we're not done. We're not done. God is at work in, in us. He's at work in us. He's capturing our attention. And I love that, that he's becoming the most important thing to us as a church. And it's about living our life to his glory, surrendering our bodies to him as living sacrifices, surrendering our money to him, trusting that he is capable of providing and protecting us, and surrendering to him our, our spirit and our time that gets in the way, our busyness that gets in the way, and surrendering that to God and saying, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to learn that rhythm of life and just embed that into my life, leaving a legacy of faith to our kids and our grandkids. Now, we all have further to go, don't we? We all do, every single one of us. I love what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Philippians in uh, chapter 3. He said, not that I've already obtained all this, hasn't arrived, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, he's still in progress. He's a work in progress. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul says, I haven't reached all of my goals. I haven't reached the ultimate goal yet of becoming who God has destined me to be. I haven't fulfilled all of God's purposes. But I'm going to keep that firmly in my mind, that there is a goal out there. Do you have your goals clearly stated only a very small percentage of people in our country actually write their goals down. I want to encourage you, write your goals down. Write them down. Because then you can keep them before you and you can pray about them. Your goals as it relates to your walk with God. Your goals as it relates to your financial freedom. Your goals as it relates to uh, your health and stewarding your body well. But make your main goal in life pleasing God. You'll never go wrong on that one. Saying yes to God. There's no more rewarding life than to please God. And Paul was able to stand at the end of his life and, and, and know that he had fulfilled the mission that God had called him to. So you've got to fight the fight of faith. Living out our faith is not easy. I mean, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of struggle. There are setbacks. And it takes a great amount of effort. Because the only way to coast, if you want to coast through life, and you, you like just going downhill, 
uh, that's exactly the direction you'll be going, downhill. Coasting works that way. See, life is more like going up a down escalator. That's how life is. You're going up a down escalator. And if you want to see how hard that is, just go to Northtown Mall, try it out, tell them I told you it was all right. Used to do it all the time as a kid. It was a lot of fun. But you'll get the feeling of, wow, this is, this is a struggle, but you can make progress as you do it. See, the greatest of people are those who fight, who will not give up, who will not lay down and, 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 be, and just say, I give up, I quit, it's over. The struggle is there. We've got to engage in the struggle. Margaret Hargrove, a 73-year-old woman, was out on an evening stroll with her nine-month-old Scottish terrier by the name of Alex. She's just out there minding her own business. And out from the side fence, there's this huge pit bull that escaped. Came over, ran over, started barking, clamped his huge jaws down on her little terrier's head and started to just crush his head. And Margaret didn't know what to do, and so she tried to pry the dog's mouth loose but couldn't, you know, they're strong. And so she got down on her knees and she bit the pit bull. And he yelped and he let go. And then she bit him again until he ran away. This is a true story. Margaret's awesome. (laughs) 73 years old. That lady had some fight in her. She knew what was valuable, and she wasn't going to let the enemy steal what was valuable. And we've got to resist the wicked one in our lives. And we've got to fight in the area of our faith and know that there is a struggle there. Notice the, the terms Paul's using in verse 12 and 13. He says, I press on. I'm straining towards the mark. I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you feel the intensity of this language that Paul's using? It's not like just a passive, whatever kind of faith, just feel good type faith. No, there is a struggle that goes on there, and and there's intensity that goes behind it. There's a certain amount of resistance, a certain amount of spiritual warfare that will try to push you down and keep you down, but we have to press onward and upward towards what God has called us to be. Verse 15 says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. In other words, mature people, people who are maturing, will not allow themselves to stagnate very long before they feel so uncomfortable, they're like, I can't, that's not what I'm called to, is to be comfortable. You're not called to be comfortable. You're not called to stagnate and atrophy. We are called to strain forward. We are called to grow. And so all of us who are mature take a view of those things. And then he also says, and if at some point you think differently, then God will make that clear to you. In other words, be teachable as we continue to Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and let other people speak into our lives. See, the moment you stop being teachable, you stop learning. And the moment you stop learning, you stop growing. And the moment you stop growing, you're dead. You're dead, at least on the outside. The number one thing I look for in a leader or in a staff person or somebody I can entrust something to is a teachable person. Let's be teachable. And then lastly, 
Paul said, let us live up to what we've already attained. In other words, be persistent. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. That as we take forward steps, sometimes we just hold our ground. Sometimes we're not in a, in a phase of life where we're taking a lot of steps forward. We hold what we've attained. In other words, if God's delivered you from an addiction, do not return to it. Hold on to your freedom. Hold on to that. Value that. If God has, has given you progress in a particular area, you begin to give and serve and love others, and you hold on to those things that God has done. You protect the freedom God has bought for you and done in you. Philippians 1.6, I'll close with this. Be confident of this very thing, that he, that's God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, what God starts, God finishes. And that we're all a work in progress. God is not done with you yet. And the, and the thing that I love the most is that it's not up to all my efforts. That God is at work. God has started something on the inside of every person who's confessed and professed Jesus Christ as Lord. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins this work, and God will complete it. He is faithful to do that, even when I blow it. God is faithful to continue to love me and pick me back up and forgive me and help me continue until we walk into the victory and into the freedom and into the blessing that he's called us to. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, thank you. We celebrate you today. God, we thank you that you're a good God, that you're a God that even commands celebration. And this is, a, this is an important time for us just to pause and say, God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness in our lives. Thank you, too, God, that you have even put within us a motivation to surrender our lives to you. You've placed within us a desire, God, to steward our life well. It's you, God, that places these desires in us. And it's you, God, that will complete the good work you've started. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity right now to do that. To just say yes to God. I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sin. Lord, I want to live a life that is beyond what I've been living. And I'm asking that you forgive me, and that you place me on your path, one of purpose, one of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I pray too for every one of us, God, as, as those that belong to this church family, God, would you... Help us continue to grow. Help us continue to change. Help us, Lord, bring great glory to your name throughout our community. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.